0: It's using AI in order to predict what's going to happen, instead of describing what already happened.
1: Welcome to a brand new episode of our podcast, Human and AI Mind Machines in the Gradient Descent.
2: Thanks for tuning into our geeky podcast to discuss the fascinating field of AI and machine learning, corporate craziness, passion for technology, and the role of humans in it. Today, we're super excited to have the wonderful André Hartung with us. André is the president of Diagnostic Imaging at Siemens Healthineers and enjoys to be part of a purpose-driven, passionate, and diverse team from across the globe which drives the digital transformation of radiology from intelligent imaging, AI-powered clinical decisions to streamlined operations. That already sounds very exciting, so let's dive right into it. André, welcome to the show. We feel very honored to have you with us. How are you and where do we catch you today?
0: Well, welcome. Uh, First of all, thanks for the very kind introduction. Um, I feel honored. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Today I'm basically in, in home office, yeah, as you know, um we um uh, currently whenever possible uh, try to work from home. Yeah. Mm. So, um and that's uh, what I got used to now again as well. Um so um, basically um I'm sitting here. Uh, you mentioned it's snowing in Munich, yeah. There is very light snow in Erlangen. Um and I'm looking forward to an exciting conversation with you.
2: Yeah, we do too. Um, So we found out that you have a background in medicine, right? So what actually brought you from the direct interaction with the patients to the industry at Siemens Healthineers? And what aspirations did you have as a young fellow in Düsseldorf? Was it always the goal to become the president of diagnostic imaging at Siemens (laughs) Healthineers?
0: Maybe let me start with the last question first. No (laughs) that is <laughs> the simple answer to that. Yeah. But yeah. At that point in time, I didn't even know that a president of diagnostic imaging exists. Yeah? So yeah. Um, <clears throat> clearly, I had no clue um, uh, that this is going to be my career path. Now, you are you rightfully said. Yeah, I studied medicine. I worked in uh, neurology and psychiatry yeah, for a couple of years in Düsseldorf um, in a private neurology neurology facility, and the, this facility. Performed as well um, CT and MR imaging, mm. um, and uh, as you know, as a fellow, um, um, it's, it's I would say um, it's not overpaid. Yeah, so every opportunity um, to uh, do some additional work, yeah, and get additional uh, renumber uh, and, uh, and salary out of this was highly welcome. So at the weekend, I did. Uh, frequently, the MR studies um, for uh, this private uh, neurology center, and um, that was when I a got fascinated about imaging, and b get to forget the first time in contact with Siemens. Because as you may not expect, sometimes a machine breaks down, and then uh, a service technician comes and helps you in order to fix it. And uh, Over the years, um, there was a relationship built up between um, the service technician and I, and uh, we kind of started talking about his job, and and, uh, I told him a little bit about my profession. And then um, all of a sudden, he mentioned to me, uh, Andre, do you know that uh, Siemens basically is looking as well for physicians? And they are about to hire more of them. And I said, oh, great. Uh, I I was not aware, and and at that point in time, it was really kind of, I was at a crossroad where I wasn't sure, do I stay longer um, in urology and psychiatry, or do I want to um, try something else? And I I got excited by this idea that um, working in medtech maybe is kind of combining two very interesting worlds. And then I gave an, and and, and then I wrote an online job application that was in 2001. Um, And I'm not sure, I think it was brand new that you can, that you could upload uh, your uh, applications to a tool. Um, Three months, nothing happened. And then all of a sudden I got a call from a Siemens employee who asked me for um, whether I would like to join an interview uh, for a job. I did so and I said, well, um, let's give it a try. I can only learn from that. Uh, let me figure out uh, what, what, what this is all about. Um, yeah, and this was now um, 20 years ago. So obviously I liked it uh, and uh, I, I at no point in time um, because I said, well, you can give it a try for three to six months. I can easily return into uh, um, my old profession. But uh, as mentioned, that was 20 years ago. And I think it was um, one of the best decisions in my life
1: i guess the family makes it hard to leave right (laughs) in terms of the you know development and opportunities and uh, the knowledge and the network and you know it's 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 some some
0: yeah sometimes as well this situation do change yeah Mm. Uh, Mm. so uh, that that was basically not really the limiting factor at that point in time yeah Mm. um and uh, basically i met my wife in siemens so um That's that's the stats. That shows the stats, right? Right. Sixty (laughs) percent
1: of all marriages get get engaged uh, during the work. So. But let's talk about from maybe from 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 you know lovely things. Let's talk about, also about lovely things because we love technology. Let's talk about AI and especially you know artificial intelligence in tech, right? So machine learning is somehow every you know it's a vital part of everything what we do currently around, right? In consumer tech, in in products, in assistance, and also, you know, in, in mat tech, it shapes and transforms many aspects. Can you share a bit from your experience? And your few, you know, what is the role of AI in radiology? And maybe what is, you know, the greatest transformation that we'll see arising there through AI?
0: I mean, first of all, I think you rightfully say it's kind of around everywhere right now. Uh, there's hardly uh, uh, anything done without either being touched by digitalization or mm. at, uh, the one or the other form of artificial intelligence. You mentioned machine learning as one of multiple um, ways uh, to do artificial intelligence. And indeed, uh, although artificial intelligence is not new, um, and uh, we are working with that for um, uh, quite some time already, um, the performance and the ability by using uh, newer types of algorithms, of course, uh, is is fascinating and opens up really new fields, in particular in the field of radiology. And When you think about the challenges of radiology as of today, then um, on the one hand, um, imaging, or basically as well, all types of diagnostic procedures are on the rise. And we, we we are basically at the beginning there. And the reason is 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 relatively simple. On the one hand, you have all this um, mega trends around demography and chronic diseases and so on and so on. So there is a ever-growing demand on that end for a proper diagnosis yeah? and mm-hmm. this is in the process one of the most important steps without a proper diagnosis there is no right treatment later on Yeah, so it's basically very closely connected to each other um, but you have as well uh, countries that are in development uh, investing more in healthcare systems in particular driven as well not only but on top uh, by the covid situation um, and therefore You see more and more uh, people as well in developing countries striving for better access to high quality care. Uh, So that drives the demand further up. Um, But at the same time, there is a very severe lack of healthcare professionals. Um, And this is true not only in radiology, but in particular in radiology, where you see that the number of procedures is, is, is rising dramatically, the number of healthcare workers is not appropriately uh, uh, being raised at the same time. So what you need to do, you need to do um, more with less, basically.
2: That's a lot of opportunities and also very important things to go in. And um, this actually leads us to what uh, Siemens Healthineers is doing. So we're trying to close the gap, right? And there are many awesome applications in the area of AI and machine learning. But what is your favorite AI use case in healthcare at the Healthineers?
0: I mean, the, the, I do like in particular those use cases. They do show that they, which do show an, an outstanding customer value. Uh, so, and there is one. Um, very recent case that I was really fascinated, not only because of AI was used, but as well because um, the way we got basically to a solution. You know, when um, at uh, spring 2020, um, the issue of COVID-19 become more present and became a global problem. Um, The first thing that we did is we launched an initiative. Um, We launched an initiative to build an AI driven solution in order to diagnose COVID based on CT images. Mm. And what typically takes easily one to two years, more two years than one year, we accomplished in a few months. So we, we got very close to our customers. We collected in a very short period of time thousands of cases to train the algorithms. We made it available via our research and prototype platforms uh, in prior to the official uh, regulatory release as a prototype and research tool.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: As anyhow, most of the institutions did research around COVID that was basically a perfect fit. Um, and uh, so we really could help to, to diagnose hundreds of thousands of COVID patients in the correct way in terms of what is the stage of their disease, how is the progression uh, moving on. And that was fascinating. It was fascinating because a tool helped to get more insights into a completely new type of disease. And secondly, the way um, we we did it as a team, Um, Having everybody on board uh, working cross business areas, uh, independent of any organizational boundaries, only having in mind how can we be fast and at the same time deliver on the right quality to really make a difference. So that was certainly one of the most recent and most um, exciting examples. I, I could now give you 10 more, um, in terms of, uh, so. uh, uh AI supported reading of studies. Uh, you know, we have the AI red companion and we'll cover the entire anatomy until 2025 or 85, at least 85% of it. Um, but when you just one sense, when you look into what is the, what is a very, very exciting future topic, um, then I believe it's using AI in order to predict what's going to happen instead of describing what already happened. So mm-hmm. um, uh, looking into large data sets, uh, correlate those with each other, try to identify patients' scores that are similar to each other in order to prevent certain diseases. Mm-hmm. That can become in the more mid to far term future a real game changer because then we then we change um, uh, then we change healthcare into something what it should be to keep the people healthy.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and and that, that what we do today basically is we treat people that are already sick. Mm-hmm. And that's and, and and that's from my point of view um, a very aspirational goal um, to to use AI in order to really get there and to prevent diseases in the future.
1: Yeah, I love it. So this somehow relates to, you know, what somehow we see arising of a digital twin Right representation. We see it, you know, coming from industry. We're talking to energy. We're talking to buildings. We're talking, you know, a little twin of everything. And I was, uh, I don't know, two years ago on on the radiology conferences, and you know, you, you showcased there a bit of the, the notion of the digital twin, also the patient twin. Somehow, can you guys? I guess it's a bit uh, time still a like, time to go, right? Uh, but can you guide us a bit, a bit from you know, from current reality to what we can expect in the future? of a digital twin
0: yeah I mean um, I think it's a very visionary and at the same time exciting view mm-hmm. on artificial intelligence um, the, the being in the situation that we today with our imaging devices can basically digitalize the human phenotype
1: mm-hmm.
0: and have it then like a digital footprint or fingerprint and um, that then can be used in order to compare um, uh, with other cases, makes already, or is the first step of creating a digital twin. Yeah. Um, however, there is a lot of more ingredients to it, of course. And when I take one of the examples, um, which is um, a twin of the human heart, yeah, so a virtual heart model, um, then it's not, it's images, it's um, ECG files, it's um, blood tests, it's, it's really yeah, very, very many parameters that you need to take into account in order to do something like this. And the aim of such a virtual heart model is to simulate whether a treatment, a certain treatment in a certain patient is going to be successful or whether it may be not successful and the treatment plan needs to be modified. So that sounds a little bit science fiction, um, but um, it works already today or is close to work uh, today in areas where we have the necessary information to do so. And that's at the same time the exciting topic. So creating a digital twin is a most likely never-ending journey mm-hmm. um, where everything you learn about the human body um, can basically become part of such a digital twin. Um, And then all of a sudden you have a twin um, that you can then as well compare with other twins of other people. Hmm. And you can look into where are similarities and where are deviations. And if you bring that into the context of a certain disease, then you may be in the driver's seat of understanding, okay, this patient with this images, this side effects or, or this accompanying parameters in that situation um, is so similar to cohort A, B, or C that there is a certain likelihood that he will or she will develop a certain disease. So what can we do about this to prevent the disease mm-hmm. developing? And that, that's, that's, uh, that's, of course, a little bit the, the vision found.
2: Yeah, that's so impressive. What an important field to work in. Andre. if we zoom in a bit, um, and we just mentioned that AI is basically everywhere. So in the healthcare process, maybe starting with the patient's very first visit, to the first examination, to the first diagnosis, um, to the constant monitoring, and even to the treatment in the end, where does AI play a role? Can you maybe guide us a bit through the journey?
0: yeah uh, basically there you can on a on a general note, you can say there is no um process step within a clinical pathway that is not potentially subject as well to artificial intelligence. When you take the practical case for instance, of uh, somebody who is getting a clinical diagnosis or has a certain suspicion to suffer from a certain disease, you see already today a significant change. Driven by COVID-19, a lot of those appointments are being done with virtual tools. When you get to the scan, basically, um, ideally, um, everything is done to make sure um, that uh, it's the image quality is going to be really absolute right for the right patient. Yeah? That starts with artificial intelligence-driven tools like a 3D camera that is... Um, uh, registering the patient when he is lying mm-hmm. uh, on the on the on the table, for instance, from a CT machine, mm-hmm. yeah. um, and then uh, it's a 3D registration um, of the patient. So and the positioning of the patient, which is crucial to get good image, image quality and to keep the dose as low as possible, is being done with an uh, AI-driven algorithm, completely automatically. You just push the button, and then the patient is ideally centered. Um, you can as well then use algorithms to make sure that um, the images being taken are ideally suited to the patient, individual patient's physiological parameters, you know, like the heart rate and so on. You can optimize uh, the contrast media protocol. And, and then when you look to the other side, there's somebody operating the machine. Um, in the ideal case, it's a highly trained, um, super tech, knowing exactly uh, inside out the machine, um, but knowing that this is as well a precious, uh, very, very difficult to get high qualified people and technicians. Um, it's important that we make our machines extremely easy to operate, instead very complicated. So we have built-in navigation systems that basically guide through you through the entire procedure without that you don't have to know the technical parameters you just need to know what the clinical question is and uh, then the system is automatically providing you with guidance what is the best study and so and and how do you proceed the study
1: that That brings us to the point, maybe also talking about you know let's say emotional intelligence aspects um because as we as we move towards more you know personal medicine uh, being closer to the patient to closer to the customer, you also said right, which is awesome because you know I guess we can we can leverage the strengths of algorithms, you know ability to connect, find patterns, draw insights, and these kinds of aspects, but we need to on the other side also combine that with the amazing capability of humans still right rocking. Um, reasoning (laughs) still, still super challenging from machine learning system, empathy, obviously something, but also maybe, you know, seriously, because we are, are we're talking about serious decisions, right. Implications on human level. Right. And that means also reflecting maybe on flawed algorithmic conclusions. What is your view? maybe, I don't know, the synergies between, you know, the emotional, I guess, and the computational intelligence, if we say it like that.
0: I mean, the first, you said it basically. Yeah. It's, this is not a competitive approach. It's a complementary approach. Mm -hmm. And this is why we call our AI solutions companions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's really not about uh, replacing uh, a medical expert, not at all. Um, Mm -hmm. it's basically combining the strengths of both. Yeah. On the one hand, you have an algorithm. The algorithm is never tired. The algorithm does never say, I need a break. The algorithm can work in the background and so on and so on and so on. And on the other hand, you have the human factor. Who can put the things in the right perspective in a way a machine, most likely for a long period of time, will not be able to do it? Who can understand the social context of a patient? Um, Who does understand how does a a patient feel? Who can be empathic? Um, and can make sure that everything that is happening kind of reflects as well how the patient is feeling about it. Um, And uh, at the same time, um, he can focus on the things that are really challenging in radiology on the diagnosis side. You know, 85% of imaging tests being performed have no significant findings. So 85% of the time of a radiologist is being used basically to report a normal case.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, but at the same time, while t- the number of procedures is going up, um there is it, it, it's basically you can see that at a waste of time to one d to a to, to, to certain degree. On the other hand, of yeah. course, it's great, yeah, and a relief mm-hmm. if there is no negative finding. But they need to have more time to really look into the severe and very complex cases, and then really taking the time to bring the entire um, uh, uh, patient view on the patient into the game, as I just have described, um, with all his senses. Yeah, and uh, and that, from my point of view, uh, would then be a real win-win situation that at the end, um, the overall result is better, more focus to humans. um, And at the same time, a lot of the basic work is being done automatically um, with maybe a quick confirmation still of a radiologist. Um, That will still take a time before that paradigm will change. But we don't see this basically as as an added value too much. Yeah, uh, because we want to make the radiologist stronger and we want to make sure that he can use his time in the most precious way. And I believe in, in having this in a companion way, integrated in the workflow um of of a radiologist is adding there a lot of value and um is making the difference as compared to just having computers trying to cope with um
1: diagnostics. Nicely put, right? Uh, nice nicely said, really.
2: Yeah, it's a very beautiful image of the radiologist together with the companion. Um, But it also raises the question of trust and explainability. So how can the radiologist really be sure if the algorithm is um, certain or if the algorithm is right and the algorithms already today shape the decisions of tomorrow and more and more decisions are being enabled by data-driven algorithmic services. And so how are you dealing with the black box phenomenon in machine learning? What's the role of explainability in AI in health? And how do we enable that?
0: Yeah, I think there, there is an even very valid point. The black box discussion is an ongoing discussion. Um, the that's, underlying, a tough one.
1: I, that, that's a tough one, it, isn't it? <laughs> it? Yes,
0: to some degree it is a tough one. Yeah, And it's happening not only in healthcare, but I believe it mm. has to be... Done very thoroughly in healthcare due to yes. the nature of healthcare, um, but it's but it's it's, uh, it's similar in other areas where AI is being used. Yeah, think about airplanes or cars. Um, uh, but I think before I answer the question, I just want to give one additional layer to it. The black box discussion basically represents the. Readiness of a society to accept AI to some degree, and this is making this is make, that, that is the real difference. How ready are we as human beings and as a society to accept something that maybe always gets and and healthcare is not the best example because there is no wrong and right so easily in healthcare yeah mm. um, it's a very there are a lot of facets. But there are other areas where, where there are better examples. But it is, from my point of view, extremely critical that we learn kind of that sometimes things work and they work better than something else, although we may not really fully understand it yet. On top of this, there is another interesting thing. We, we now have this discussion. Um, uh, all over the place. The reality is that in healthcare, most of the algorithms that are being developed are not black box because they are not unsupervised. Basically the unsupervised approaches are the ones that really result a little bit in this black box phenomenon. The other ones are uh, are ones that you can basically explain. Um, So it's not all the same. And um, yes, I believe there will be an ongoing discussion um, to what degree, really, um, those unsupervised methods can be then can be used in healthcare. And um, I'm convinced at the end it is about convincing results. Yeah, and uh, only when you will see very convincing results then uh, I believe there is a certain likelihood that, as well, things that not always can be easily translated into something that, that someone easily can understand still gets accepted. Yeah. Um, but uh, I believe it's a time to go before we will get there to um, to a clear answer.
1: Yeah, but it's, it's somehow tricky, right? And I, I, I see a lot of also on the CXO level now, the discussion arising on the topics of ethics, to be honest, right? It's because it goes hand in hand and it's somehow a mixture then between, you know, who is accountability for that because, you know, making decisions, it's only business saving, but improving lives, right? Which is super nice. But then it's, it's you you fuel the discussion about bias of the data, about accountability, maybe sometimes also about the certification. And I get a lot of requests, you know, uh, is AI being, can AI or let's say machine learning systems be certified, is, uh, do you have a, mm. do you have a few on
0: that? Yeah, good. I mean, this is basically we run pretty intensive regulatory approval processes with mm. AI solutions. So, uh, what the minimum that you need to um, uh, that you need to prove is that your ability to perform AI based upon test databases. Yeah. So we have mm. one database that you use to train AI, mm. and then you have test databases, and they need to be disconnected independent from those where you train the algorithm with. And then you need to demonstrate at least um, that uh, you are non-inferior to, uh, as compared to a skilled radiologist when he is reading or interpreting the images. So we do clinical studies, basically, Mm -hmm. in order to show that um uh, in most of the cases we we are even outperforming uh, experienced uh, radiologists this is not because they are not good in doing it um this is just because it's always working the same way there is no bias from no no intrinsic bias i mean uh, you can argue about bias yeah in mm-hmm. a different context but there's no intrinsic bias in an artificial intelligence driven algorithm, he's doing always with the same accuracy, the task. Mm. Right? Um, and and that, that is maybe one, and it's, it's extremely fast as, because of the comput- computational power. Mm. And when you then compare, um, it's not really a surprise that they are on par and sometimes better um, than, than what a radiologist uh, can do. However, Taking now the other example of the 15% super complex cases where you have to take all the parameters and the social context of a patient and everything background into account to make the right decision and as well to give today. It's not like black and white. This is what you have to do. Typically, you have options that you put on on the table and the options patients choose from depend on their personal preference. And that there are as well multiple topics influencing this this, an AI algorithm will never solve, at least from my point of view, not easily uh, in the foreseeable time frame. And this is why um, when, you, when you look into uh, AI in, in medicine, um, I believe it can be even supporting um, that there is basically less bias in the system. Than the other way around. What is important though is um, that it's trained uh, in an unbiased fashion.
1: Which mm-hmm. is not in- Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that relates also a bit of the data, right? There's always the discussion, right, the machine learning folks. And we we see, you know, a lot of data rising. And we see also a lot of, you know, digital platforms, let's say, you know, social, social networks, let's say, right? They're using their power of the data is constructed in this platform ecosystem. And they're using that and applying that, right? And then leverage, maybe also extracting some kinds of value, but also maybe... Also, you know, providing some uh, in the consumer tech or social nature, though it's in, you know, it's, it's led to a bit of closed and very concentrated power, right? Consumer tech, social networks, shoppings and stuff like that. Right. Um, which is a different thing actually in industry. Right about how do we share data you know do we need to rethink um, you know these aspects open data sharing or openness aspects, you know um, a sharing economy. Uh, that's super tricky right in house is that, um, but, um, I thought you leaping a lot of aspects, right. And in the experience I had, you know, with regards to data annotation, the value of data, the data talking to customers, right. Um, housing is where though much of leaping that to be honest, I thought like I, I found it super stimulating. How do you see that? Is that still challenging for you?
0: I mean, on the one hand, um, and that's maybe um, the good thing for us, yeah, we did start um collecting data out of very concrete collaboration approaches with with thousands of customers already a decade more than a decade ago. Mm-hmm. this is as well when we when we started with supercomputers um, mm-hmm. uh, and so on in, in in particular in our um uh, in our facility in Princeton, to to do all type of AI and machine learning experiments and so on, um, and we have now access to more than a billion data sets uh, that that we can use. Still, that's not sufficient. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, uh, sharing of data. Yeah, you mentioned it. Shouldn't do we need to think differently and change paradigms? I believe it's important in medicine to first understand why they are so sensitive about that topic because it's of course information that you would never patient related information that you would never like to see in wrong hands mm. um so the 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 matter of patient safety and uh, being complying with the respective rules is priority number 1 for everybody who's is, who's is playing in that field because if that is going being if that would be questioned then the the willingness to share data would go immediately down to zero so that's that's i think one of the most important first burdens to understand whatever we do and however we share data um it needs to be safe and uh, the 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 uh, basically um it needs to be compliant with all respective laws the second aspect of it is when you look at healthcare they have been never champions in sharing data. I, I, <laughs> I believe it's fair to say that. Yeah. Okay. Um, because as well of that reason, yeah, that leads uh, partially to um, now tricky situations. Yeah, because basically, I would love to see that patients decide whenever they want to decide who can get access to what type of data in an anonymous fashion. Um, and I, I really believe data around diseases should not become a currency. Because if this is driven only like a business start to share data, then I believe we do injustice to mm-hmm. the topic. Um, and we would leave a lot of opportunities on the table just because the data that would be needed in order to get to new insights is not available. I think that doesn't make a lot of sense. This,
1: this way, is the, why
0: things. like, Yeah, no, that's just the
1: first time. This is the first time I hear uh, this notion. You know, uh, interesting. I love that actually. Um, yeah,
0: yeah, you mean it's it, at the end. Yeah, um, the matter is the data is necessary in order to create smart solutions that add value in healthcare. Mm-hmm. Um, this is basically the, the the decisive step. yeah, you need to data you need to have the data, but then you transfer it into a concrete value. yeah, yeah? And this is maybe a little bit different than in, than in other uh, arenas, yeah and uh, on the other hand, there are um, uh, a lot of governmental initiatives in, in, in a lot of countries. That are exactly that way. That they put the patient into the driver's seat in order to manage their healthcare data. Uh, it's in the Netherlands. Yeah, people um, by law have to have access um, to their healthcare data and can make decisions. Who can get on top access to it and who not? Um, similar in Germany. Um, as well in Germany, there is an initiative. Um, that um, uh, pushes um, providers to make sure that patients can get uh, access to their data and, as well, make a decision on how data um, it, it can be used. And from my point of view, this is um, this is a pretty fair way um, of doing it. And uh, I would like to see this becoming kind of the the, the standard.
2: Yeah, that's a very interesting perspective. Thanks for sharing that. And that leads us already to the almost last question. Um, we talked a lot about um, AI, about AI use cases um, in radiology, about the health in years and what you're doing there. But now we want to get to know you a little bit better and we want to hear an advice from you. What what advice would you give genius minds out there who are crazy about ideas and really want to make a difference in the corporate world? Um, is there something you would have loved to hear when you were a student um, back in Düsseldorf or an early professional?
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is... A- it's in, in, very interesting that you ask that, or that you put that topic up, yeah. Because I believe we feel that there is a change. When when I started twenty years ago in Siemens Healthineers, and there was not Siemens Healthineers at that point in time, as you as you all know, I already feel more freedom basically than I had in my former profession. And the reason is maybe that healthcare at that point in time, when I when I worked in healthcare, was still dominated by a lot of myths. Yeah. Um, so uh, the, the things very frequently have been um, uh, communicated to the patients as black and white. You have that. You need to do that. Yeah. Um, the, the 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 concept of failure was not really around in healthcare, but it's reality, of course, yeah. uh, and, 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 that's, and when I when I joined Siemens, basically, my experience was I can do what I believe makes sense. Mm. Yeah. And, 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 and I was as well in a fascinating new field. It was around um, non-invasive uh, cardiac imaging. Yeah, that was at that point in time on the rise. It was like pioneering a new field. It was basically pioneering a new field yeah, with, with, a, with a breakthrough where we got to in technology and nobody stopped me. Nobody did tell me what to do. Nobody uh, gave me too many rules. I believe um, a, lo- a lot of this is um, what you just do. Yeah, I mean, and sometimes I believe as well when I look uh, today in, in health and years, uh, basically you can do a lot. But when you do it, make sure that you understand the value that you really want to deliver. There needs to be a clear view on the value. And then if it's going complicated complicated or too complicated, fail fast and don't uh, pursue the same way if you see that this way doesn't lead to success. And then I believe um, management needs to learn to embrace this to the full degree, yeah, I believe uh, I I would not claim we have the perfect failure culture. Yeah, mm-hmm. but you know when somebody like me coming out of medicine where was zero failure culture. Yeah, mm-hmm. going into um, an industry where at least failure was as a conceptual uh, topic uh, around. Yeah, there was already a big difference.
1: Mm-hmm. Cool.
0: And the yeah. other advice I always give to people is that um, they should only take. Advice from people that are as willing by themselves to take advice.
2: <laughs> that's that's a very good one
0: yeah.
2: for the end. Andre, thanks so much for your time. It was so interesting. It's so meaningful uh, in what area you are working. Um, I wish you all the success in the world for your next endeavours. And before we finish, uh, we want to uh, play a game with you. It's called Authentic Autocomplete. It's our final game and I will give you a couple of cap- sentence starters for the closing and you will just finish them. Are you ready, Andre? Okay.
0: I, I give it a try. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay.
2: You give it a try. Okay. Okay. Let's start with an easy one. <laughs> so, Siemens Healthineers is?
0: <laughs> it is a great place to work.
2: Nice one. Technology with purpose is?
0: Technology that is creating value um, to our customers or the customers of our customers um, who are the patients.
2: And last but not least, the next big thing at Siemens Healthineers will be?
0: Us pioneering in giving 4 billion people that don't have access today to proper healthcare care uh, in improving the situation and allowing more and more people to have access to um, good uh, health care.
1: That is, that is a true mission. That's a sustainable thing. That's a helpful thing. So, thank you much, so much, Andre. I think it's, it's it was. I could, I could go for hours here, right? Because I think you, it's, it's really <laughs> no, nice listen to
0: listen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's,
1: it's nice to listen and you know that you share right, you know reflecting on you know different different aspects and um, spending this time with us we highly appreciate you know we know you're a busy person and that's why we really appreciate um, your time for doing that here thanks very much I appreciate your time thank you very much and folks out there stay tuned there's a lot more to come I don't know what but stay bold committed and open minded and we hear us at the next Siemens podcast cheers
0: Just a short disclaimer to add, AI Red Companion consists of several health products and medical devices in their own right and products under development. AI Red Companion is not commercially available in all countries. Its future availability cannot be guaranteed. As well, to clarify, the AI Red Companion chest CT does not itself diagnose COVID-19, but rather helps clinicians to diagnose COVID-19.